So our sermon today, uh, we're going to be looking at the lessons from the Holy Spirit, or Holy Spirit lessons. As I wanted it to be longer, but I had to keep shrinking down that title. So, um, As we've been going through these passages, the Lord's been poking me. It's like, you've got to talk about the Holy Spirit, because He's there. And I didn't talk about Him, and then I didn't talk about Him. It's like, oh, okay, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. So... We're going to look at Luke 4, verses 1 and 2, and 14 through 30. If you'd please rise out of honor of God's word, right after you sat down, Janet. You're welcome. <laughs> Luke 4, 1 and 2, and 40 through 30. And the only reason I left out 3 through 13 is because it was talking about the temptations. We read it last week. It wasn't going to cover it, so just to shorten things up. Luke 4, 1 and 2 and 14 through 30. And I read in Jesus' name. And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil. And he ate nothing during those days. And when they were ended, he was hungry. And Jesus, and then so 14, and Jesus returned to the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. And all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. And they said, Is not this Joseph's son? And he said to them, Doubtless, you will quote to me this proverb, Physician, heal yourself. What we have heard, what we have heard you did at Capernaum, do here in your hometown as well. And he said, Truly I say to you, no prophet is acceptable in his, own, in his hometown. But in truth I tell you, there were many widows in Israel in the days of Elijah, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, and a great famine came over all the land. And Elijah was sent to none of them, but only to Zarephath, in the land of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And there were many lepers in Israel at the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed, but only Naaman the Syrian. And when they heard these things, all the synagogue were, fu- were filled with wrath, and they rose up and drove him out of the town and brought him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they could throw him down the cliff. But passing through their midst, he went away. Let us pray. Father, as we come to study your word, we do ask that your Holy Spirit would be poured out upon us. Lord, that we might understand, that we might apply, that we might live it out. Lord, that we might become more like Christ. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And I just want to tell you, don't worry. We're going to get into, like, 
I will spend more time in 14 through 30 because, or not 14 through 30, but 8, 16 through 30 because there's a lot of stuff going on there too. So today I'm just going to peck out a couple of things and we're going to look at those. Um, but the first thing I want, I want to look at is what, what, happens, what happens when Jesus is full of the Spirit and he goes out to the wilderness? Like what's going on here? So what do we see the Holy Spirit doing? And Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, verse 1, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness. So what happens to Jesus then when he's filled with the Holy Spirit? What's going on? Does he somehow glow? Does he become taller? You know, is he able to do magic? What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be full of the Holy Spirit? It means that the Holy Spirit is, is leading him. You know, this is, this is looking at the the power of the Spirit in Christ, the power of the Holy Spirit to lead us. Do you know that the Holy Spirit is powerful enough to lead us? Even people like us? You know, that's why David says in the book of Psalms, do not be like the horse or the donkey that needs bit and bridle. You know, because sometimes I'm like that. You know, and he has to put up more difficult ways and he has to you know, we talk about like the hedge of thorns and things of that sort. The Lord has to close doors in order to get us to the right spot. He can lead us. He's powerful in our lives. He can organize situations. I've told the story about one of the ways, one of the reasons why I ended up here. You know, that as Pastor Melgren said to me, is it harder for God to change your internal emotions or to orchestrate circumstances to get you in the spot that he wants? Like, the Holy Spirit can lead us both internally and externally, but the Holy Spirit does lead. This is one of the things he does, and we can thank God for that. So if you're wondering, am I in the right spot? Am I doing the right thing? Well, ask. Don't ask me. Ask the Lord. Lord, am I, am I where you want me to be? Well, if he's pointing you somewhere else, go there. If you are where you should be, He'll show you. He'll give you opportunities. He'll give you work to do. He'll provide. But you know, then there's some things that the Holy Spirit doesn't do. The Holy Spirit doesn't keep us from temptations. Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit. And you know what Satan was still able to do to him? Tempt him. Have you guys ever had that lie go through your head? You know, if you're really walking with God, you wouldn't be tempted by this. If you were really walking with God, if the Holy Spirit was really in you, you wouldn't be tempted by this. This wouldn't be a temptation at all. And you know what? That's a lie. Because Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, was tempted. And so when we're tempted, we can't say, you know, like James says, we can't say, well, this is God tempting me. And we can't say, well, I'm being tempted, therefore I'm obviously not a Christian, or I'm not a very good Christian, or I'm such a failure as a Christian because I'm being tempted no, temptation doesn't mean any of those things. All temptation means is you're still on earth. Congratulations, you're alive. After you die, you won't be tempted anymore. Praise God. But while we're here, we will be tempted. Filled with the Holy Spirit or not filled with the Holy Spirit, we will be tempted. This is a reality of life. And so don't listen to that temptation to believe the lie, because that lie, that's another temptation. 
Don't listen to that lie. Don't listen to that temptation. Don't give in to that. Don't play with that one. Satan will say, hey, you were really a Christian. You wouldn't have those thoughts. You wouldn't have those worries. If you were really a Christian, you wouldn't be tempted to worry about that. Therefore, you're not really a Christian. It's like, no, that's not true at all. Because Jesus was tempted while filled with the Holy Spirit. So why do we think the Holy Spirit would keep us from that? Right? Have you guys ever been tempted by that lie? I know I have. That's not a very fun one. But it's just a lie. It's another one of those lies. The Holy Spirit also doesn't keep us from earthly wants. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, ate nothing during those 40 days. When they were ended, he was hungry. Holy Spirit doesn't keep us from earthly wants. Sometimes the Holy Spirit works through those wants. Sometimes the Holy Spirit teaches us those wants aren't actually all that important. They're not necessary. You know, who exists in this world that, that doesn't want comfort? I like comfort. You know, we were just talking about Luke and Lewis's comfortable shirt. Why do they want to give it up? It was comfortable. We like comfort. I like comfortable clothes. That's why I don't wear wool socks. <laughs> Terrible. He had hunger, earthly hunger, physical hunger. He felt it. You know, we have desires. God put those in us for reasons and for purposes. We can't say, well, if I was full of the Holy Spirit, then I, you know, I, I, then I wouldn't want people to like me. You know, to be loved, to be honored, to be respected. I wouldn't want that. It's like, well, actually, no, God put that in us. You just can't look to people to fulfill that. You're supposed to look to him. You know, that was the first temptation. Satan saying, hey, you can fulfill this at an earthly level. And Jesus says, no, I need God. So, you know, I want to be respected. I want to be honored. I want to be honorable. So what does that mean? Does that mean that I then go and seek honor wherever I can find it? They start fishing for it, fishing for compliments. We talk about that. No, it means I look to God. Trust God. He'll provide. He'll provide. You know, that was, was really the lesson. The first, one of the lessons, the first time I, I fasted, and I don't want to get into all of that because we'll talk about it again after for a Lenten service. It's God who provides. It is God. The things in this world are great. It's God who provides. So if the Holy Spirit's upon us, that doesn't mean we won't hunger. We won't thirst. No, we won't want earthly things. We won't. It doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that we won't want some sort of stability. God put that in us. What it means is that we'll look to Him to provide Instead of being like the rest of the world that looks to the things of the world to provide, things of the world don't provide. So then the Holy Spirit comes in power. And Jesus, verse 14, and Jesus returning in the power of the Spirit to Galilee and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country and he taught in their synagogues being glorified by all. So this word power, 
There's two ways to translate this. This is dunamai. Some of you might have heard that word in the Greek. The Greek word is dunamai, and they say, well, that's where we get the word dynamite from. But dynamite is much smaller than dunamai. Because dunamai, power, speaks about the ability to do. What sort of power does the Holy Spirit give to us? Does the Holy Spirit give us power to do whatever we want, whenever we want it? That I can now, I can wield the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, like Frodo wielding the ring of power in Lord of the Rings or, you know, Harry Potter wielding his wand in Harry Potter or, you know, that I now have control over magic. No, that's not the power that God is talking about because we're told by Paul, we did not receive a spirit of fear, but of, can any of you complete that verse? Love, power, and self-control. I, yep. Love, and power, and self-control. And so what does that mean? What does the power of the Holy Spirit look like? Love. It's something that, that gives. Power. That word also means authority. And self-control. I don't need to take. Because what does my sinful self say? I need, therefore I'm going to take. Holy Spirit says, you don't need. I provide. You don't have to take. You can give. You can bless. You can provide. And you can do that with authority. Because that's what that power is. It is the ability to do and it's the right. I actually like focusing on that, that right. The right that God has given us that authority from God. Because Jesus comes with authority. So we were talking in our Sunday school class, and those of you who missed it, shame on you. Um, <laughs> but we were talking in our Sunday school class, what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? And as, as Edgar was bringing up, it means, it means to be walking in the Word of God. Proverbs 28, 26, I think is the passage. Um, Stephanie will get it right when she puts it into the video. I'll leave that up to you. Tells us that um, the fool relies upon his own mind. It is foolish to rely upon your own mind. But the one who walks in wisdom will be delivered. And so what's the difference between having the authority of the Holy Spirit and being arrogant? The person who is arrogant is someone who trusts in their own mind. Solomon also says, you see a man who is wise in his own eyes? Yeah, there's more hope for the fool than for him. You know, that's, yeah, that's such a great section. If you, if you don't know the book of Proverbs, Proverbs is great. I love the book of Proverbs. But the one who's wise in his own mind, that's arrogance. That's a fool. But the one who walks in the Spirit, who has the authority of the Spirit, relies upon Scripture. He or she relies upon the word of God because then the word of God directs and guides. They submit to the word of God and it's from the word of God then that we get our authority. I can stand here today and I can say that. Why? Because that's what the word of God says. That's what Solomon's saying in Proverbs. I know that I'm called to love my wife. Why? Because that's what the word of God says. I know that I am called. I am the one that's supposed to be training up my children in the ways of the Lord and not just relying on Kirsten to do it, but Paul says fathers. 
This is my responsibility. This is my calling. Why am I supposed to be the pastor that I'm supposed to be? Because that's what God says. How am I supposed to interact with my government according to what God says? That's the authority of the Word of God. That's what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can go in authority. We can live in authority as long as we're relying on the Word of God. This doesn't mean that I can be arrogant and I can tell you, you know, Linda, this is the sort of color that you should be wearing. You know, Mark, these are the crops that you should be planting. You need barley, man, because that's the big one. They're like, what? The Word of God doesn't tell me that. I don't have any right with that. But I can say, no, this is what God's Word has to say about marriage. I can say, this is what God's Word has to say about child rearing. I can say, this is what God's Word has to say about integrity. Period. And I can stand on that authority and say, we can't move from that. Well, that doesn't apply today. Well, then you don't have any authority. Go away. I don't have any time for that. It applies today. What happens when, the Holy, when people are filled with the Holy Spirit? And a report about him went through all the surrounding country. And a report. It gets around. These people are different. What does Peter tell us? You're supposed to be a peculiar people. Praise God. I come by that naturally. <laughs> but not that sort of peculiar. We're not just supposed to be strange. We're supposed to be holy. Totally different. Other. You know, we were talking about this stuff with Ravi Zacharias. That's, that's where the peculiar fails. You know, it's not that sort of peculiar. It's not a sinful peculiar. It's a holy peculiar. And the world will see it and say, there's something different there. We don't understand it. Because that's what peculiar means. It means something that I can't understand. I can't figure it out. This, it doesn't fit with the molds that I have. It doesn't, you know, like, this is the way the church is supposed to be. But these people are like this. What's going on? And they'll talk about it. Because it's weird. People talk about me being weird because I use the wrong words oftentimes. And that's because I read old books. That's weird. It's not that sort of weird. It's like, you know, what's, there's a, a missionary story um, told by, well, this is Otto Koning. Okay, not, uh, yeah, not Don Richardson. But Otto Koning tells the missionary story about a tribe that wanted, they wanted to become Christians. And you know why they wanted to become Christians? Well, they were polygamists. So the men had multiple wives and they constantly were having this problem of their wives fighting all the time and the men were getting tired of their wives fighting. And then they were interacting with this other tribe that had become Christian and they had been polygamists too and their wives didn't fight. And they said, what's up with you guys that you're not constantly fighting in your families and we are. We don't like this. We want what you have. And that other tribe said, you need to become Christians. It'll change the way you interact with your families. How about that? So all of you with multiple wives, no. I, that's not the point of the story. <laughs> We're called to be different. Because if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll be different. Because you'll be living out the Word of God. And if you live out the Word of God, the world won't understand. They won't get it. Because they'll wonder, well, how can you love your husband when he's done that? How can you stay with him and respect him? The world will wonder, how can you love your wife 
you know, they've got all this stuff out there. You know, what is that? Someone told me in Lowe's one time, I'll tell you what, never buy a car before I test drive it. It's like, never keep your car then either. Why are we different? Because we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We live out the Word of God. And He taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So, you know what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit? You will teach. That doesn't mean you're going to preach. It doesn't mean you're going to stand up in front of a large congregation or a small congregation. It doesn't mean that at all. It means as you live different, as you are weird according to the world, the world's going to ask you, hey, what's wrong? Why are you like this? Why don't you respond like we do? Why don't you act like we do? Why don't you think like we do? And then you'll have an opportunity given to you on a golden platter by God himself saying, tell them about me. You will teach. You will teach. Because you'll be weird and the world will want your weirdness. I know that's... Believe it or not, Lisa, Nathan, the world wants your weirdness. Okay, you're extra special. (laughs) But you'll have an opportunity to teach, and this is what will happen. You'll get an opportunity to counsel. You'll get an opportunity to guide. You'll get an opportunity to love, to bless, and all of those things you're teaching. You'll get an opportunity to give, and in that you're teaching. You'll get an opportunity to teach. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you will have opportunities to teach because the world will want to know why. You say, you know, I don't, I don't want to learn to be an evangelist. Fine. But you're going to need to learn how to share the gospel. Otherwise, you're going to feel really foolish when the Holy Spirit gives you an opportunity and you're going to say, I don't know what to say. Because he will give you opportunities. And that's why you need to know what to say. And that's why you need to learn to be an evangelist. Not in order to go door to door or something like that. But that when the Holy Spirit gives you those opportunities, you can say, hey, we talked about this in Sunday school. Hey, we talked about this in church. Hey, we talked about this at the men's retreat, which I hope you guys are coming to. What does the Holy Spirit look like in practice? And he taught in their synagogues being glorified by all. Sometimes, sometimes we're glorified by the world. Sometimes. Sometimes we're held high. Like, this is amazing. This is awesome. What this person's teaching is great. What this person's doing is great. What this person's doing is wonderful. And they will emphasize and they will focus on your positive qualities, your positive attributes, the positive things about what you're saying and how you're saying it. People will focus on those sometimes. Sometimes. Because Jesus is being glorified by all. And so when the Holy Spirit fills you, there will be people who will say, I want to be like you. And then, there will be other people. Verse 22, all spoke well of him and marveled at the gracious words that were coming from his mouth. They said, is, is this not Joseph's son? Like, this word marvel it can also mean be confused at. It's not just like, wow. Because when we talk about marveling at something, that's how we think about it. That's not how the Greeks thought about it. They're like, what is this? 
you know, this is, this is cool and scary all at the same time. Have you guys ever felt that? Like, I'm really excited and terrified right now. <laughs> How do I fit both of those inside of me? No, that's, that's what this Greek word is. And so they're both, this is amazing and this is baffling. What's going on? And people will doubt because they won't understand and they'll want to understand. They'll want to understand, like Augustine said, we don't understand in order to believe. We believe in order to understand. They'll want to understand from the outside looking in. They'll be afraid of becoming one. They'll be afraid of coming in. And they'll say, I don't understand what's going on in this person, but I don't want to be like them because that's scary. Because then I might have to give up the garbage that I really like, whatever that garbage is. Don't probably... Oftentimes, it's getting my own way. <laughs> At least for me. I don't want to give myself completely over to this. I don't want to become like them. I don't want to leave that which is comfortable. I don't want to leave the bad that I know because bad might be up there too. This looks amazing, but, you know, should I enter into it? Hi, Rachel. Did you have a question or are you just waving at Daddy. Daddy's waving all over the place anyway, so you might as well wave too. So when, the, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, people will doubt. You'll be glorified, and you'll also cause people to doubt. And you'll also cause people to reject. People will reject you. If you're full of the Holy Spirit, you will be rejected at times. It's like, well, how is that going to work? At the beginning of the Pentecostal movement, you know, the... Um, Oh, what's the name of that street that they named it after? But right at the beginning of the Pentecostal movement back in, you know, the early 1900s, when it was just Azusa Street, the Azusa Street revival, they thought, now that we have the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit, now the world is just going to come to Christ in mass. There's nobody that can deny it. And you know what happened? People denied it. Because you know what happened when Jesus came? Full of the Holy Spirit? Jesus. Now this is Jesus. This isn't like Pastor Joe or Jim full of the Holy Spirit or, you know, Cheryl full of the Holy Spirit. This is Jesus full of the Holy Spirit. Everything he does and says is perfect. So that they could throw him down the cliff. Um, that's rejection. It's not that we, we're not going to listen to you anymore. It's actually, we're going to kill you. We're going to kill you. We hate what you're saying so much that we would rather see you dead. This is what happens when you're full of the Holy Spirit. How many of you like being rejected? I don't. Experienced a lot of it. <laughs> don't enjoy it. But you know what? You're full of the Holy Spirit. People are going to reject you. And Jesus says, don't worry about it. They rejected me. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting me. So it's not us that are being rejected. We don't have to take it personally. But nevertheless, you're full of the Holy Spirit. The world's not going to always like it. Sometimes they will. They'll love it. You'll be glorified. People will come to the Lord. 
Everyone will be praising you. And that's, that's a dangerous spot to be. <laughs> Sometimes you're going to cause people to doubt. They're not going to know whether they want to jump in or jump out. And you know what? It's a fairly safe spot to be. Sometimes people are going to hate you. And that's probably the safest spot to be. Because then we can't rely on ourselves. Then we have to rely on God. When everyone's glorifying you, take care. That's when things get scary. Because that's when people start to rely on themselves. That's what happened to David. That's what happened to Solomon. That's what happened to Rehoboam. Wow, we've got bad spots. When we're not walking with God, but we're walking in things of this world, that's, that's dangerous. We're full of the Holy Spirit. Walking in the ways of God. Standing on the authority of the word in your own life, because as we talked about, integrity. What is integrity? That doesn't mean, mean me having authority to tell Janet the word of God or to tell Mark the word of God. That means that I have the authority to tell me the word of God and then to help others as I've lived that out. Because that starts inside of me. So if you're full of the Holy Spirit, that's what this means. Live out the word of God. Submit to that. To trust him. To rely on him. To live in his ways. His commandments. His methodologies. To trust God. To walk that out. Does that make sense? It doesn't mean that you, you, know, you become magical. That's not what the Holy Spirit is. That doesn't mean that you start yelling more or even yelling less. It means that he changes the way that you interact with the world. You don't fall for their lies. Doesn't mean you won't be tempted. It means you changed. Amen. Let's pray. Father, bless us. Guide us. Lord, fill us. Fill us that we might have an opportunity, that we might be peculiar to this world, but peculiar in holiness, not just peculiar in what we do on Sunday mornings. Lord, fill us. That we might teach, that we might walk in righteousness, that we might show the world that, that your ways are best. Lord, whether we're accepted or rejected, or we just cause people to doubt. Lord, we pray that you would be glorified through it all. Father, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.